I saw a full grown lion in the corner, just mm-hmm. sitting in the room. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the show. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. My guest today is the president and CEO of Mackey Insurance Brokers in the beautiful city of Bell Vegas, Ontario. He's a chaplain for Hockey Ministries, currently serving with the Belleville Senators. He's the host of a radio show called The Edge on CJLX. And if that isn't enough, he's got his own podcast called The Edge of Tom Foolery. Please welcome Bruce Mackey. Hey, buddy. That's quite the intro there. How about that? How busy are you? Oh, Busy's a relative term. <laughs> it's a relative term, but it's uh, not as busy as I was before the pandemic. I'll put it that way. Oh, man. But uh, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. It's good. Thanks, thanks for coming on. Tunes. Thank you. Thank you. That's the Hartshorn Brothers. Oh. Yeah. Do they have any keytar in there? Do they have any what? Keytar. Keytar. You know? <laughs> Just guitars, not keytars? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you could squeeze us in with all your all your stuff going on, man. I'm happy to be here. Happy. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, Bruce, so I just really like to just dive right into it. So we've, first of all, just off the hop, I just want to give a huge shout out and thank you to you for all the technical advice and helping the Toddcast get started with all the little technicalities that I really knew nothing about. And for all those late night phone calls and FaceTimes and, and everything <laughs> folks, it's Bruce Mackey's awesome. Bruce Mackey's been very helpful to get this Toddcast off the ground. So I just wanted to thank you for that brother. Uh, it's been happy to help. Happy to help. So bro, I just uh, like to dive right into it. And with, with that repertoire of all the stuff that you're doing, um, can you, man, just, just tell us about, uh, how you grew up with your faith? Yeah. What, what was yeah. the launching pad for you? Sure. Well, I grew up in Quebec and I grew up in a Christian home and, uh, gave my life to Christ at a very young age. We were, uh, I think I was about five years old and I came home after church one day and I knew that I, I wanted to spend eternity with, with Jesus. And uh, so my brother prayed a prayer with me. And that, that's all I'd ever known. So um, that was back in the in the 70s. And then our family uh, left Quebec, moved to Ontario. We got involved in a church here. And, and I grew up in, in the church, so my faith wasn't really my own. And it wasn't until I was 14 and I was uh, at a summer camp up in uh, Word of Life Bible Camp up in Owen Sound. And it was there that I made a, a recommitted my life where I said, you know what, I got to make serious about following Christ. And so when I was 14, that was when I really turned my life um, back to God. And, and, and ever since then, I've been following him. So what was going on in your life at 14? Or, or was it just sort of just that age where you start questioning stuff? Or Yeah, look, I don't have a, I don't have a real um, interesting uh, 
story other than, you know, I was trying to do it all on my own. I didn't, you know, I wasn't into things. I, I got kicked out of school or kicked out of class once in my life. So I was a pretty good student, you know, like I, I wasn't a bad kid. I just, I was just doing things on my own. Uh, struggled a lot at that age with eternal security uh, as a kid. Um, you know, I'd come running out, you know, and if I couldn't find my parents, I thought, Oh, the Lord's come back and I've been left. Like I, I when I was a kid, that happened a lot. And, um, I was concentrating more on works than on, on the grace, um, you know, the gift that God has given us. And so, yeah, but when I was 14, I, I said, you know what, I gotta get serious about my faith. And I was baptized a, a few years later. Um, and, and I mean, life has been full of ups and downs and, and my testimony, um, uh, you know, I, I've always followed Christ, but at times in my life, it has been, um, I haven't turned away from him, but he has, he's gotten closer the older I've gotten, hmm. I guess that, that, if I could put it that way. So, so for me, uh, watching my parents, um, live their faith out, um, watching, uh, you know, when we left Quebec, we knew no one really in Ontario and all we knew was, was people at church. And I watched my, my parents live their faith out, uh, through hospitality, through, um, generosity, um, yeah. And, and to me, th- those were integral parts of uh, my foundation, but, but coming to Christ, it was just, I came at an early age and then, uh, yeah, I don't have a, I don't have an exciting story that way, Todd. Well, you know, Bruce, exciting stories are a matter of perception and the listener, well, yeah. right? Because every story is exciting in its own way. And some of them might happen really quickly, maybe very radical and others yeah. pan out over a longer period of time, but they're all relatable to somebody. Yeah, we, we 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 have to remember that. I think I think for me too, growing up in the church, and then now I have children that are growing up in the church. I I desperately want their faith to be their own and not to be their mom and dad's. Right? I want them to desperately seek Christ and know Him in a real way. And I think the thing that holds me back from that is, as I know, sometimes it's a hardship or a hard time that kind of brings you to that place where it's like, oh, you know, um, you know, a death of someone or a loss or just a, a real uh, hard time in their life. And I want that for my kids, but I don't want, I don't want, I want them to get that without having the hardship that comes in order for them to, to make it their own. Yeah. Real. Yeah. It was interesting what you said too, that you were focusing more on works. Yeah. Big time, you know, and, and that that's something that we can control. So you were focused on, well, if I just do this, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll please the Lord more. Um, if I do this, you know, um, faith by works, <laughs> you know, and we focused on that a lot. And, and, uh, I think that it's just a result of our own mindset that we feel we can, we can get closer to God if we, if we serve more, if we do more. And I mean, when I grew up with well, the church was open, we were there, you know, and we were always involved. And I think that became, a part of my DNA, but to a point where it was almost a default in my faith where it was like, well, if I'm not doing it, then I'm not committed enough and the Lord will be unhappy with me. And as I've grown in my walk, I know that's not the case. Yeah. And, but, but early on for sure. Yeah. It's interesting too. Cause I kind of feel like a little bit of that living by works is also deception of the enemy, right? Because there's a victory oh, yeah. that's won by Christ when you've given your life. 
But then when you end up focusing on works, you're focusing less on sharing the gospel, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And so you get caught up in that. Right. So that's interesting that you discovered that at a young, at a younger age. Um, so let, let's get into work. Did you go right into this, this business when you finished school or what were your, well, I, I had set my sights. So what had happened, uh, I think when I was in grade nine, my dad said, Hey, you want to come and join the family business? And I'm like, insurance are you kidding me no i don't want to do that <laughs> like no one sets out to you know to set their sights on i'd like to be an insurance broker so then the grade 10 he came to me again and, and grade 11 he came to me again and i kept shooing him away and then i watched all of my friends going off to university and college and as they were coming back they um none of them could get jobs they were all working at mcdonald's and all this stuff and i'm like Wait a minute. So then it, it was, uh, I'm old enough that it was OAC or grade 13. Um, and so I was, I was going into my grade 13 year and I had just worked at the summer camp all summer. And I, I told my dad, yeah, you know what? Uh, when I come back my grade 13 year, I'll, I'll work at the office with you. And so I did. And then I got my broker's license. Um, and after I got my broker's license, I actually took a sabbatical of eight months and went to Bible school for a year, uh, London Baptist Bible college. And, uh, just to get grounded in my faith, to go through the word of God and, uh, lifelong like lifelong friendships from that one year. And it was, I set out for one year and I completed it. And then I came back and, and joined the family business. And, um, that was 32, 33 years ago now. So it's, uh, and, and the thing I, I, I love about the business, I, be, I became a partner in it and then I bought it from my dad almost 20 years ago now. And, um, it has people involved. It has automation. It has all kinds of business things that I was looking for. And I was going to go to university. I was going to go to college and get a degree in business. And the opportunity was right in front of me. And I watched how my dad used the business um, to, to live a life of generosity and use it to bless other people with it. And so I'm like, I just got right involved and I haven't left. So uh, it's God's blessed the business. It's not my company. Um, we've grown a lot over the years. It's not mine. It's God's. And, uh, I'm just a vessel working at it. Hmm. That's a, that's an awesome perspective. Um, can you talk about this hockey ministries? What is, what is that hockey ministries of Ontario or how did you get it's, involved uh, hockey in that? ministries international? And, um, it started in 1977 and it, uh, basically started in Quebec where, uh, a gentleman by the name of Don Leismer uh, Sr. started it, and he uh, they've got twofold. Uh, they exist to um, minister to the spiritual needs of hockey players, their families, and coaches. And they started in 1977 doing two things, doing a summer camp, Christian camp for kids, uh, a hockey camp. And then uh, the second thing was doing chapel ministry programs uh, through NHL teams predominantly. Um, now they're doing chapel ministry programs in about, uh, I think it was 40 different leagues, 20 different countries. Um, right now, I believe it's about 26 NHL teams that, the, that they're doing at the NHL level. So I, I got exposed to it at an early age and I thought, how cool is it to really, you know, have you're passionate about the Lord and you're passionate about sports. Those two worlds colliding, like, I knew I wasn't going to have the, 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 the skills to get to the NHL 
playing hockey. I knew that (laughs) just the way, but I thought, how cool would it be that God would use me to, 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 to be involved in just minister to the needs of hockey players. And, and so I was exposed at an early age and that was really all I, uh, I didn't know a ton about it. And uh, they approached me in the nineties, a gentleman by the name of uh, Dave Fisher. Uh, I know Dave. And Dave is from, uh, from the Peterborough area. He is. I think he's actually from Cabin, I think. Somewhere up there. Cabin Bethany, I think. A lot of good from people from that area. Well, I, I you know, it's the up for debate, <laughs> but he uh <laughs> Anyway, he approached us, and the, and the Lord closed the closed the door. Um, back, I'll backpedal for a second. My very first weekend at Bible college, I got there, and I didn't really know anyone in Bible school. And the, the dean of students picked me up, and he said, hey, do you want to come? I'm the chaplain for the Detroit Tigers AA ball club. I'm going to go down to a game and see a couple of the players. Would you, would you like to come with me? And I thought, yeah, I'd love to come. And I, I, I was exposed to what a chaplain does for professional athletes at that age. I was, uh, I think, 19 at the time. And then fast forward, hockey ministries, I was aware of it, and I knew a few people who were chaplains. And then Dave approached me, and uh, when he approached me in 1998, I said, yeah, of course I'd do it. And and they made a presentation to the hockey team, and, the, and God shut the door. Hmm. There was no – the team didn't want any part of it, didn't want anything – uh, so I, I just left it with the Lord and that, that was it. And then fast forward about five years later, I had, uh, I had just purchased the business from my dad. Uh, I was married. We just had our first child. Uh, we were leaders with our, in our church and we had just launched a new Christian radio station in Belleville. So I was just, I was at all ends, just busy and I had no time for anything. And they came to me again and said, Hey, we're going to make another presentation to the hockey team. Would you be willing to let your name stand to be the chaplain? And I said, I'm too busy. I can't do it. There's no way. I said, but what I can do, I said, I will. God's gifted our business. I'd, I'd love to uh, support it and I will pay. If they want to go out for a meal, I'll pay for the meal for the first chapel. So they're like, okay, that's great. So we all went to the rink then when they were doing the presentation and I, I prayed with them and, and I knew the coach at the time. And, and I said, listen, tell Jake to give me a call. When Jake, uh, how many ever guys are going to be there? He'll tell me, we'll do the chapel. I'll just cut the check or pay it on my credit card and we'll leave it at that. And uh, so then he, he called me the first night and said, uh, there's a guy named Kyle. I said, oh, he's the only guy that's going to go to chapel when they made the presentation. And he said, no, he's, he's the only one not coming. The whole team is coming. And I'm like, oh man, there was like 24 guys. And I was expecting maybe to pay a hundred bucks for meals and stuff. It was 540 bucks, Todd. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, and I went that night just to watch. They, they had recruited another chaplain and I went with them. And then the next week we did it again. And I went back two or three times and God just really impressed on my heart. Like I had no time, but I was these people uh, knew nothing about God, nothing about faith, nothing about anything um, in spiritual sense. And I was involved in all these other things. And I remember at the time saying, I've got to be involved here. God's calling me here. And so that was in um, 2004 that started. And, and what, uh, what team was it on now? What for, team was that with? That was with Hockey Ministries, Belleville Bulls. Belleville Bulls. Yeah. And so Belleville Bulls, we did that 
for 11 seasons and then one season with the Hamilton Bulldogs. Um, and then there was a year off and then we've been, this is the fifth year with the Belleville Senators. This is the what year? Sorry. The fifth year with the Belleville Senators. Fifth year. That's, that's great. Yeah. And so it's, it, and it's, it's interesting. The the thing I, I love about chapel, um, a lot of these guys, this is their first step on the spiritual journey. And, and for me, uh, there was a song back right when my son was born. It was a song called 15. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. There was a song by the group called Avalon and, and it was called 15. And I listened to it. I thought it was talking about adolescence. I didn't think it was, I didn't know what it was. I just heard the song 15. So I, listened to it and never thought much of it. Then I one day read the lyrics and it, it said at the time, it takes the average person 15 times to hear the good news of Jesus hmm. before they make a decision. And whether you're the first, whether you're the second, whether you're the, the 15th, you know, what part do you play? And, and for me, that was just in my approach to like, I, I didn't see myself as an evangelist. I didn't see myself as a number 15 person. But what I did see myself uh, was, you know, especially with these, these hockey players, I was some of them, I was the first or second person that has ever shared the, with them the good news hmm. and, and it not even sharing, just showing, just loving. Like I didn't have to, you don't have to to preach necessarily. You just got to be there and love on them. Yeah. And, and that changed my whole perspective and um, yeah, just taking them out for coffee uh, talking, loving on them and saying, you know, how you, you know, you're homesick, um, sharing with them when they're going through hard times and, and encouraging them when they're going through good times. And, and just, uh, I loved it. And they were teenagers and, and I really appreciate it. And now some of them are like in their thirties and forties now, and it's, you know, married and we still keep in touch. And, uh, I've got, someone this week that just said, Hey, we need to catch up and, and discuss, you know, it's life has moved on. He's played in the NHL and now it's done and just need someone to talk to just to talk through the issues of life. And uh, it's, it's been pretty interesting. Bruce, just, uh, this is just coming to me now, but um, we're, we're blessed and getting listened to in other countries. So you talked about homesick there. Just, can you just give a little context of what, just the whole thing with the OHL and what that yeah. looks like for people out of country that. Sure. Yeah. The, the Ontario hockey league um, has players from, um, from what like they, they feed the NHL. So these would be 16 to 20 year old players and they have a, a draft system kind of like the NHL where they'll, they'll pick up a, a young player who will move out of their parents' home and then move in with some billet families. And so you'll have 16 year old guys moving from from a, you know, some of them are from within our own province, but uh, we we get at least two or three kids that are from other countries, from Czech, Czech Republic, from Sweden, from Russia. They'll come over to the Ontario Hockey League and uh, want to you know realize their NHL dream here. So a lot of these guys will come from other countries, and then they'll just show up in Belleville, and or they'll come and from fall in love country. with the city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's the city that time forgot. Right? <laughs> well, and, and, you know, you, you want to love on them because they're just lonely. And um, I remember the coach calling me once, this is probably about 10, 15, well, 10 years ago, I guess now. And uh, he says, Hey, can you take so-and-so out for coffee? He's, he's got some issues. And I'm like, 
okay, yeah, sure. What's his issues? Well, I don't know, but I want you to give me an assessment of what's going through it. And, and he was going through a bit of a depression, but he was from another country and he was, he was just lonely and, mm-hmm. and borderline depressed. So we would meet and it was, it was neat. You know, he'd come over and just hang out with my kids who were a lot younger then. And, you know, I'd be upstairs, we'd getting supper ready. And then all of a sudden we'd yell and he'd be playing with our kids and just living life with them. And, um, and that we do that quite a bit, but anyway, it was just neat to see. He actually played in the Olympics uh, this year for his home country. Um, so it was, it was really kind of neat to see, but the homesickness thing, especially at 16 years age, of age to move out of your parents' home. And then you're kind of, and in the hockey world, um, the hockey world is a bit different because you are a mini celebrity when you come to that town and people put you up on a high pedestal. So you've got the pressure of performing. You've got the, you're a kid and you, you're away from home. Uh, and then all of a sudden, usually wherever you played before you were the best player on your team. And now you've arrived at this team and you're not experiencing the same success that you once were. Uh, you're not the best player anymore on the ice and you're all these things. Plus, I mean, 16 year old boys, it's a, it's just a, a, a different time in their life. And so it was, it was good for the team to have guys around the the rink that would come alongside them and just, and just share with them and love on them. Yeah. Would some, and, and yeah, like you said, at that age, that's hard. That would be hard if you moved from Thunder Bay to Belleville, never mind another country. Yeah, just a, for sure. An and we layer. had guys that moved from, and some guys, they didn't move far. They moved from Toronto to Belleville, like it's, which is a two hour, you know, drive. So they'd get to see their parents from time to time, but they missed being with at home. Um, and then just knowing how to deal with, you know, uh, I've been healthy scratched, you know, I'm, I'm good enough to play, but they don't, they've got too many players. So I have to sit on the uh, upstairs and watch as my teammates play. And then just the cycle of, you know, I'm not good enough. And I think I'm just going to give up on my dream and just, you know, just battling those kind of depression issues. And uh, yeah, that was with the Belleville Bulls. Now, now I, I work with the Belleville Senators, which is uh, professional hockey. And that's different. These guys are one step away from the NHL and they're all adults. Hmm. And so they're in their twenties. Some of them are, and they're at different stages. So I remember, I remember when, when the Belleville Bulls left, I was, my ministry just stopped. So it was like, I loved doing what I did. It was all in a volunteer um, kind of thing. And, and I loved the opportunity to, to love on these guys. And then all of a sudden they left and I was left with no ministry. And I thought, God, what's going on here? Because we were making a difference. And now you, you just, it, the ministry was gone. It shut right down. And then a couple of years later, the, the professional hockey league team came in. And the thing I found with them is these guys are uh, one step away from the NHL. Some of them have been to the top. They've been to the NHL. Now they're on their way back down. So you had to find out where these guys were at. Were they on their way up? Were they on their way down? You know, were they at the limit? And you had to minister to them in a specific way because the guy that were, you know, they'd been to the top and now they're kind of, this is the end of the road. They've been playing this game for years and now they had to, now they had to kind of settle down and go, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? And you know, a lot of guys become firefighters. Did you know that? A lot of these guys get into firefighting. Yeah. You know what? I did know that. Yeah. And you know what I think it is? 
a lot of these firehouses have have some hockey teams, right? Yeah, they do. So they, yeah, they 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 want to recruit some of these guys, but but going through with them and 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 walking to that next step because all of a sudden all they've known all their life is people, um, and that's what I'm dealing with a lot of these guys now that are retiring. They've people have gone out of their way to just do everything for them their whole life, and now all of a sudden the game is behind them. They've had to grow up again, and they just they have trouble going to that next chapter in life. So yeah, I, I yeah. love, I love reaching out to guys like that and just chatting with them, FaceTiming with them and talking with them. Yeah. The fire service transition too. That's very team oriented, right? There is a hockey element to it. Actually back in the day, uh, there were places where if you didn't play hockey, you probably weren't going to get hired there. Really? Yeah. Did that, you that's, play hockey that, that's way back in the day. The, obviously okay. that kind of stuff doesn't happen today, but um, no, I didn't play hockey, man. I played guitar, bro. <laughs> You're the best. I love you. <laughs> um, so you must have had some. You must have had some great conversations. Can you share a testimony of maybe somebody that reached out to you at any point in that hockey ministry, without yeah, you know, too gonna, much you know, detail, without but, giving names or things yeah. away? Um, uh, yeah, like I mean. And where you see you are in the journey, I remember early back on, we used to give guys Bibles. So at the end of each year in this, Dave Fisher did this, you'd give them a Bible with their name on it and the team name on the bottom. And uh, and then we'd do a presentation, almost like a graduation. We'd present the, this team Bible with them. And uh, the one story, the one uh, after one game, the guy came up to me and he says, hey, thanks for that Bible, by the way. That was awesome. I'm like, oh, you're welcome. And he goes, you know, my my grandmother, she's, um, she's kind of that way, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> she was so excited. I got a Bible cause she's that way. I'm like, well, what way is that Brian? <laughs> he laughed. He goes, well, you know, into the Bible and stuff. Cause she's really into the Bible. And so that, that part, I realized like, here is a grandmother who is a strong believer who has been praying for her grandson who has had never been to church. Cause he's always playing on Sunday. And then all of a sudden comes to, to Belleville and meets a, a quirky insurance broker chaplain and, uh, and all of a sudden gives him a Bible and shares Christ with him. And I, and I, I bring it back to that story um, about the song 15, because I, I was number whatever in these guys' lives. And some of them, I don't know if they've gotten to 15 yet and they've ever made a profession of faith. I know there's a few guys that have. I remember a few years later, um, I had one guy from Georgia, he's from Atlanta, Georgia, and he uh, he he was involved in our chapel program. I knew spiritually wasn't, it just wasn't clicking for him. I, I knew he he was just there for food. You know, we'd give them food, and I could tell which guys were there for food and which weren't. And he was there for food. And uh, about three or four years after that, he, he messaged me on Facebook and said, Hey, I just wanted you to know I came to faith in Christ this year. Wow. And he told me his whole story. And I'm like, wow. Like that was, that was pretty exciting. Very exciting. Um, uh, I've had other stories where um, just guys that you've invested in. And uh, if you've ever been to my house, you know, uh, uh, I always get people to sign the guest book. And, and so I was one of the first years with the Belleville senators. I had the team over and I got them to sign the guest book and, and 
one of these players that you think you're not making a difference. And then all of a sudden you just read the inscription of what he wrote about how he's searching spiritually and, and, and being brought close to God through his time with us. And it was like, it just, it was humbling, like crazy humbling. You so, know, um, yeah. And you know, that's so key, Bruce, right. That we're, we're called to plant seeds. God brings the increase, right? Yep. And, and, and that's where I think I was always scared. Cause I, you'd see the evangelist. Like I grew up in a time where there was, you know, the evangelist would come to town or, and he would give the, the presentation and present the gospel and draw you in. That was his giftedness. And I, that was not my giftedness, but I always wanted to share the gospel, but I didn't know how to do it. I remember I never shared this story, but in, in Bible school, the one year program, there was a personal evangelism class. And so it was every Friday morning. And we, at the end of the class, they'd say, okay, this is your, this is your, um, um, what you have to do for next week. We're going to give you a gospel track and you have to share the gospel with someone this week. And I was petrified, just petrified. Like I, so my friends and I would go to the Cinnabon at the, at the mall and I <laughs> go up and go, I go, can I get a Cinnabon please? They go, yeah. And they'd bring it up, give it to us. And I'm like, please read this. Jesus loves you. Thank you for the Cinnabon. <laughs> it was awful. Like it was, but I was so nervous about sharing my faith yeah and um well that makes that not knocking it because sometimes that works or whatever but but yeah i don't think when you just when, got calories is what i got yeah but when you're given something to give to somebody else it kind of puts added pressure right mm-hmm. i mean you know most people probably toss them in the trash but you never know some people might hang on to them but i mean that does if you're already nervous that doesn't that doesn't help yeah. <laughs> with the nervousness no. and, and so then I, when, when this, like right around the time I started in chapel and this, that song 15, um, I had also done an interview cause you, you mentioned I do a radio show and I, I had done one. Um, I've done it for almost 30 years and I had been to a big uh, Christian music festival and there was a guy named Rich Mullins there and all of us were, um, he wrote the song awesome God and, and he wrote a, a bunch of great Christian songs. And so he uh, he changed my life. He, we were at this and we were doing interviews with all the artists. And, and during the interview, he says, when we're done here, I want you guys to wait around. I need to talk to you. And we're just, there was probably 20 of us in the, the kind of the press. And uh, we're just th- looking around at each other like, no, no, we ask you the questions. You don't ask us the questions. And, and he went on to challenge us and told a story about how, uh, uh, you know, how do we treat people at the, at the hotel? When we go out for, um, to a restaurant, how do we, when we, do we tip the waiter, you know, and he told a story about, um, there was a, back when the great Billy Sunday was preaching in Boston, uh, all these people would come from all over to hear Billy Sunday preach. And then they would go across to the, um, uh, to the little restaurant across the way. And all these Christians would just mistreat the help at this restaurant. Hmm. They didn't tip well. They didn't, um, you know, they, there was a bus boy there and just, they were just mean. They were not nice to this. And he was an exchange student. And um, when he moved back to China, the story was he be- ended up going up in the, in the military and, and he ended, ended up becoming chairman Mao. And when he got there, he, he, he was determined to wipe Christianity off the face of the earth hmm. based on, how people treated him after that were going to church. And so 
he challenged us saying, how do you treat the chambermaid, you know, that, that comes and cleans up your hotel room? How are you, are you showing them love? And, uh, and you know, the waiter that, you know, gets your order wrong, how do you treat them? And that just stuck with me. And, um, and, and then that song 15 kind of came out and it was like, you know, maybe you're the, the second thing, you know, when your waiter's having a hard time, just stop and say, Hey, can we pray for you right now? Um, and that totally changed my life. And then when chapel ministry came along, it was like, you know what? Um, it was an adjustment for me. I'm a Baptist boy, done swear, done whatever. And when these boys start talking to you, they're dropping F-bombs left, right, and center. It's a part of their vocabulary. And it's having to meet them at their level. <laughs> and it, it was hard. It was hard, but it, it's I've gotten there, I think. It's interesting what you, th- that story you told about the waitresses. And yeah. uh, Todd White has talked about that for years. Yeah. He's American, right? But I mean, American, Canada, whatever. But he's talked Do about Do they tip the- less in America than Canada? Or is it just in Canada that's... We're up to twenty percent now. Is it? Okay? I'm I'm not sure if it's the same or what, but uh, <laughs> but he's he's talked about that for years yeah. about you know when his preachers ask any waitress when's the worst day, the lowest tips, and it's Sunday after churches and stuff. So he's been someone to what encourage. What does that say? Eh? That like a, that that should be a wake up call for us us people. Yeah, it really should. And and showing people, you know, and especially today in 2022, like there's so much division regardless, you know, like I have, I have friends who their kids are, you know, 15, 16 year old working at restaurants and they don't want to be asking for passports. They don't want to be doing this, but they're told to do that. And then people berating them yeah, and putting them down. It's like, what are we telling to people? Yeah. Now more than ever, right? Oh, we need to just be a beacon. Yeah. And good tippers. I used to have a friend who told me I said he, he, he tipped 10%. I said, I think that's a little light. I think, yeah, I think you should go at least 15 or 20 there, buddy. And he said, well, 10% is good enough for God. It should be good enough for these guys too. <laughs> Isn't that awful? I said, no, no, no. God wants everything. Anyway. <laughs> oh man. Bruce. Um, just shifting gears a little bit, you've had some, you've had some loss, some loss in your life, right? Yeah. With the passing of your dad and stuff like that. How, how did that, how did that either impact your faith or, or how did your faith carry you through that? Would- yeah, it was, it was a big thing. My dad was my best friend. Uh, my dad was huge supporter. Um, and my dad died suddenly. So he and I worked together for 26 years and he was supposed to be into work that morning. And I was in with, I had a, I have a business coach and I was in with my meeting with my business coach and I get a call from my brother, an urgent call. And it came through and, and, uh, he I thought my dad was in the other office and he hadn't come into work yet. And, uh, yeah, he died in his sleep and it was, uh, it took me a long time to get over a long time. My mom had died five years earlier. Um, my dad, I think the thing, a couple things, uh, 
my dad was an upstanding businessman. Um, wasn't kept kind of a low profile, but at the time when we did his funeral, um, the funeral home had said that they'd never had any, any, I think they had 800 people come through for the visitation. And the thing I got to see when people came through the impact that he had had in his life. Um, I struggled at first because, well, not for quite a while because people that would come through and they kept saying, you got big shoes to fill Bruce. You got big shoes. And, and I was grieving and, and it felt like people were saying like, you're never going to live up to your dad's reputation. You're never going to live up. But the thing I heard that just encouraged the socks off me was my dad met the needs of people. So the missionary came to town. He, on the way out of town, he'd just pull off at a gas station, say, pull in here, fill up their, their fuel. Um, I, I don't think I met a person in the lineup that, that came through that paid for my dad for a meal because he wouldn't let them. He always paid for someone's meal. He always, and, and hearing people come through and say, you know, I was down and out. Your dad was my best friend. Hmm. And I think there's literally 20 men that said, your dad was my best friend. He, he's the person who listened to me and shared, you know, his faith with me. He, we did Bible studies together. Um, so after he died, um, it was, it was a massive time of loss. Um, just awful. And I, I think I've shared with you, you want me to share the, the lion story with you? Yeah, sure, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've shared that with you before. Just, uh, I'm, um, it would have been about four or five nights after my dad had died and I was in full on panic mode and I'd wake up for the first couple nights. All my kids would come and sleep in the bed with us and we just sob ourselves to sleep. And it was, uh, my dad was totally invested in my kids' lives. And, and so there's one particular night, I think it was just my wife and I kids had gone back to their room and we were, but I woke up about one in the morning and I was like, I just, it was a full on panic attack. And I, 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 I could hear in the side of the room, we have a, a little golden doodle and the, I could hear the tail whacking against the wall. And I sat up and just, I could barely breathe. And I sat up looking over in the corner, fully expecting to see our golden doodle. And when I sat up real quick, I look over in the corner and Todd, as clear as day, I saw a full grown lion in the corner, just mm-hmm. sitting in the room. And I can't explain it other than to say the peace that I experienced for the next 30 seconds was something I have never, ever experienced before or since. And it was just like the panic and the anxiety was gone. And I knew it was God's presence. I knew. And I'm, I'm a Baptist boy who doesn't get too uh, uh, into the gifts like that. And I had, I was just astounded and the voice wasn't audible, but I sensed the spirit say, don't worry. I've got you covered. Don't worry. And I don't, I have never experienced a physical presence like that before, but I've had a lot of hardship since. And uh, 
remembering back on that time I've gone through, I've dealt with some mental health issues over the years and, and just realizing that God, God is always there. He's not going to leave us. And that, that has been a, such a transformational time in my life. And so after my dad left, um, you know, I don't, I don't have, both my parents are gone and uh, it's been very lonely, but he left a true legacy and, and, and was an example uh, of, from a ministry standpoint, from a generosity standpoint, and just on how he loved his family. Hmm. I could talk about my dad all day. I only going to do that, but, but um, that, was a, that was a hard time, but a good time. I felt God's presence. Thanks for sharing that story, brother. Yeah, that's intense. That's an intense I, experience for sure. Um, let's just let's just shift it and let you uh, plug your radio show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just shift gears, bro. <laughs> That's just, that's a hard shift. It is a hard shift. <laughs> that's a grinding shift. Right? <laughs> uh, just yeah, just this radio show, this this station. What what what? Uh, you, yeah, you said well, twenty nine years we, um, you've been doing a radio station there. Yeah, so it's ninety one X. It's a it's the Loyalist College radio station. When I was twenty two, the the uh, Youth for Christ started a. a they had an opportunity to do a one hour music, Christian music radio show. And I remember back in the day, there was a Christian radio station. I used to listen or a Christian radio show. I used to listen to out of Peterborough. I think, I think actually your father-in-law may have been involved in that I think way back in the day. And um, so I would listen to that. I think it was on every, so th- this opportunity came up to do a weekly Christian radio show. And I, I jumped at it and there was about five of us that got on board and, uh, and one by one, people went off to school, went off to university and, and got, and then eventually YFC about three or four years in said, you know what, if you want to keep doing the show, you do it, but um, we're going to kind of pull away from it. So that was, uh, that was back in the mid nineties and uh, I've been doing it ever since. So every Tuesday night on uh, CJLX 91.3 FM, uh, I'll do a, a weekly show and then I, I we put it on our website so people can listen there and you can listen on demand at cjlx.fm. Uh, for about five years, we also did a show, uh, on, uh, UCB Canada. And then when our youngest was born, I, uh, just had too much responsibility. So I pulled away from that, but we've been doing the CJLX one for, this is our 29th year. So that tells you I'm pretty old, Todd. <laughs> Pretty the same old. age, Bruce. <laughs> right. But then we started the, the the podcast last year, and uh, can I can I kind of talk about that for a second? Yeah, tell us about the yeah. edge of tomfoolery. Well, the what had happened? Um, I turned fifty last year, and over the years, uh, especially at our time at UCB, there was there was three of us uh, that hosted the edge, and uh, Bob Morris, and he's a straight man, a great straight man, and we, we had. When you see the three of us together, we we shouldn't mesh as well as we do, but we did a great radio show back in the in the early two thousands on on UCB, and so um, we hadn't been together doing anything for about thirteen years, and it was just on my heart that I want to get together with these guys again and and kind of see if we can relaunch this. My kids are getting older, 
and let's see if we could do something. And, and part of our one thing we've always wanted to do was talk, talk sports, talk politics, talk music, all from a faith perspective. And we were trying to, so we were trying to figure out how do we do this? And, and do we want to, my buddy, Bob, his mom had just passed away. And I thought this would be a great opportunity just to kind of minister with him and just kind of encourage him be, being together again. And then my buddy, Steve, his brother passed away right when we launched the podcast. So it was just kind of more of us getting together and reconnecting and just doing what we do and just have fun together and, and talk about politics and just see where it comes from. So we wanted to do the edge podcast and like yourself, when you go on thinking, well, there's gotta be an edge podcast available. Someone's already taken it. Like the Todd cast, how many Toddcasts were taken? There was quite well, a few Todd 17, casts. 18. Yeah. Yeah. So there wasn't the edge. Uh, so we were like, well, what are we going to call this? And uh, I don't know why we just, we always laughed at the term tomfoolery because we, we just be up to no good and do up tomfoolery. The, the station manager at UCB always used to talk to us, say, you know, the edge, you kind of come to the line and you, you don't jump over the line, but you push the limits and you get away with stuff that might be a little, uh, you know, you just have fun, but you're, you're kind of brushing the line to get a few laughs. And we wanted to kind of do that with, with the edge of Tom Foolery and just, uh, so we did a couple episodes together and talked politics, talked sports, interviewed people. And, um, yeah, we're into our second season now and we're really enjoying it. My uh, buddy, Steve is, uh, he joins us from Calgary each week. And then my buddy, Bob is from Ivanhoe and, uh, we have a great, great time together. And I think we have a few listeners. We, we enjoy, uh, we enjoy having fun and we usually try and call my wife each week too, just to get her perspective on life. So, but we, we enjoy be broadcasting back together again. I listen, bro. Actually, you I called you me today. You're, you're a good man. I you, love you, brother. You, you called me today and actually interrupted your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to when you called me. Oh, that's right on the new broadcast. That's, that's right. It. Bruce, um, we're starting to run out of time here. Bruce, could you just, um, can you just tell me what uh, your your hopes are with your chaplaincy? with the hockey ministries, what are your biggest hopes in the next year as you go through that? I think um, for us uh, this year, we're reestablishing ourselves. So, so for me, um, the hope is to get, uh, you know, the, the, the roster changes. So before COVID there was two guys that were here and everyone else has changed since then. So it's a brand new roster. So it's getting to know those players. So my hope is that I will develop a personal relationship with these guys, um, get to know them and, and, and establish a relationship where they'll be comfortable to come out, uh, comfortable to, to learn spiritual things. Um, so my hope is to, to really establish those relationships, reestablish the chapel with the team. COVID really hurt it a lot this year. Um, so it's, it's to reestablish those relationships with the, with the coaching staff and, and with the team. Well, and now, now's a good time to, to get back into that and what this, you know, what the pandemic's done and now it's, it's over on March 1st, apparently, right? It's, it's coming over. It's over. So it's time to get back into it. (laughs) 
Thanks for sharing with us today, bro. Thanks for having me, Todd. It's a pleasure to be on your show and uh, the podcast. And I wish you God's best in your ministry as you reach out to people that, that you wouldn't normally get to hear you and, and hear your guests. And uh, it's been a pr- real privilege to be on your show. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for sharing that story about your dad. And uh, I, I would in, encourage you that when given the opportunity, when you minister to people with loss to share that story, because that is really powerful. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Thank you all for listening to the show. Check us out at discipleacity.ca. And remember, the Lord wants to comfort you. We hear lots of testimonies of people who have had these tangible experiences that surpass all comprehension. Again, thanks for listening today. Be blessed. Be blessed.